Jesus said to his disciples, a rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, what is this that I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship because you can no longer be my steward. The steward said to himself, what shall I do? Now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me, I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do so that when I am removed from the stewardship, they may welcome me into their homes. He called in his master's debtors one by one. And the first one he said, how much do you owe my master? And he replied, 100 measures of olive oil. And he said to him, here is your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write one for 50. Then to another, the steward said, and you, how much do you owe? And he replied, 100 cores of wheat. And the steward said to him, here is your promissory note, write one for 80. And the master commended that the dishonored steward for acting prudently. He said, for the children of this world and more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourself with dishonest wealth so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If, therefore, you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? If you are not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of the Gospel blot out our sins and bring us to eternal life. Amen. The Lord be with you. Blessed is the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is the 25th Sunday of Ordinary Time. However, with God, there really isn't any ordinary time. In Greek, they say kianos. That's God's time. And it's not measured like a chronological time that we understand. You know, it's a good thing that our lives have opportunities for us to accomplish things that we need to do. You know, we are people of God. And the Creator set everything to time. And He chooses us to be His people. We are both, in a way, animal and spiritual creatures. He has given us free will and rules, sometimes that we disobey. but. Many times we often need to find ourselves in reconciliation. And in today's example, we have a steward who is in need of reconciliation. 
How many of us have been fired from a job? I don't see any hands. I, I have. Many more times than two. But you know what happens? This is the most unusual story because God is giving him a chance to get his accountings together. In most cases, they uh, accompany you to the door and lock your desk. And that's the last time you see anyone there. But in this case, what our Lord is telling us is that there's an opportunity for this steward to make an accounting for himself. He can't be trusted and uh, he can't confess to our God that he was dishonest. And he's looking for another way to solve his problems. I wonder how many times in our lives we do that. We look elsewhere to solve our problems. You know, there are so many problems that we're all in need of salvation. That's why sometimes in politics we need a hero, but we have one Savior, and we need our Savior to help us. You know, if we look at salvation history, God has given us, you know, our first parents, Adam and Eve, he gave them free will. Then there were the patriarchs and then the prophets. And uh, Moses, you know, gave the law that the word of God had given to him. And then we had champions, and they were called judges, actually, and they were to help. And then we had John the forerunner, and then God himself. Can you imagine we have a creator who not only created everything, the spiritual, but also the material world. And that creator gives himself because the price is so big. And so over the last few weeks and that we've been hearing the gospels and parables that Jesus has given us, he's given us kind of a pattern of how to be a good disciple. And that's very important. He's given us some very interesting things. And we need to extend our reconciliation to him so that he can extend his mercy to us. You know, if we look at ourselves, we need to be more humble than we really are. And what is humbleness? It's really reaching out and receiving God's grace. And when we were baptized, you know, we were given sufficient grace to resolve all these issues that are internal within us and with each other. It's easy to forget that we have a God. Many people go through the day and they never think about God, they never think about praying, but we as Catholics know that it's really important. When we come to this Mass, we are reminding God that we remember. We are praying together. St. Paul, in his um, scripture today, he's telling us it's important to pray and to pray for others. And also, if we look at Amos, Amos is telling us, you know, sometimes we need more prayers for the poor. We need to look at our own actions towards the poor. And there are some things that are really quite unforgivable, but yet we need to work on that. We need to ask God for forgiveness. You know, there were uh, many parables that you've heard over the last few weeks that are bringing us towards Jerusalem, to our Lord's passion. And he's teaching us, for example, remember the, the talents, the investment the, that the Lord wanted them to invest. Well, fear kept them from making those good investments because remember you harvest or you plant and you reap and all this and you're God and I'm afraid to even try. 
But if you think about it, the underlying cause of pride, which is the capital sin, is really fear. And the problem is that we are afraid. We're afraid to trust in our Lord, to give him the trust that he deserves. You know, there was the, the parable about the bountiful harvest, the man he plants, and then he says, okay, I've got a bountiful harvest, I'm gonna tear down these silos, and I'm gonna build new ones, and that day he dies. Well, it's too late. In the Kronos time, it's too late. However, in the eternal time, Kianos, that God gives us, he's saying to this man, look, you've got an abundancy. You're not even thinking about giving it to anyone else. You're gonna tear down these silos. How are you gonna do that in a day? You can't do that. You can't do things um, and make up the lost time. Also, we have the ungrateful tenants. Remember where they make a, a vineyard and the man, the king goes away and he wants to come back and they want to kill him. They want that vineyard. They want to take it because they are envious, right? And they're angry because they don't own it and they want something. Remember the king or the man who had the wedding and he sent out invitations and not only did he send out his men to gather everyone, but he gave them clothes to wear, clean clothes, new clothes, dress clothes, vestments to come into the wedding feast. But people refused to come in. God is extending an invitation to all of us to heaven. How many of us pray after we receive our meal? We know the prayer that we say, but how many of us really come back and say, Lord, thank you for the gifts that we have received and the invitation to your eternal table. We have a taste of heaven and earth here on earth. When the Father consecrates and confects the Holy, uh, the Holy Eucharist, heaven and earth are touching together. And it's reminding us, not only do we pray at home, but we need to pray everywhere. We, we're praying here together. We are a people, we are a community. If some of us are not here, and today maybe only 25% of Catholics go to church, that's a, that's a shameful thing. I remember in the 50s uh, that 75% uh, of all Catholics went to church. And what it is is that we're forgetting who we are. Didn't this happen? Aren't there biblical stories about what happened to the Hebrews, the ones who went through the water and came to Jerusalem and built a great city and an empire? Isn't that what happened? They forgot who they were? Is that what's happening to us? Are we gonna allow that to happen? And what about the man who finds this pearl or this treasure in this farmland and he sells everything to go buy that land? Recognizes that there's some things that are so important. We have children. We as parents have the, the greatest obligation to be certain to baptize and to raise our children properly as good Christians, as Catholic Christians. We need to do that. We're forgetting to do that. We're gonna say, oh, well, we'll wait till they're 14. They'll make up their own mind. By that time, the world has spoiled them. Isn't innocence a wisdom? And isn't that wisdom innocence? How can you forget such evil things that we might see on TV or the culture in which we live that is just broadcasting things to us? We need to reject that. We need to understand that that's not what we want. And remember, 
the lady that lost a coin and she sweeps the floor. She's looking for the, the beautiful thing that she's lost. It's worth looking for. Are we searching for God? Maybe we are. I think we are. Inside of our hearts, we're all searching for God. And how many of us like a neighbor or someone just to come into our house and walk around and look into our private affairs and look into our private rooms? None of us. But yet we are creatures of God. We belong to him. This is the kingdom of God. That's why we started there. The blessed is the kingdom of God. How does God feel when he is discommoded, so to speak, out of his own home? We are his subjects. Do we have a conscience? And I think that we do have a conscience. You know, discipleship is about family, and our Lord has given us a family. Christianity is different because Christianity is a family. It's about relationships. It's about a heavenly Father who gives us all that we need. That's why we talk of God as being a father, because he initiates. He gives us a name. He adopts. We are his children. He gives us a mother who is the most fabulous person, really, that's ever lived. I mean, she is the, a beautiful temple of beauty and grace. And she extends, our Lord extends through Mary grace, his grace, God's grace. And Jesus extends his mercy to us to help us to recoup the lost ground that we have made. You know, to know Jesus is to obey his commandments. And the two greatest commandments, if you distill them down, you take the first three commandments and you put those together, and then you take the rest of them, the other seven, you understand that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, one. And two, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's pretty hard to do. Don't we all walk around with a little mirror in our face all day and look down here and look up there? That's narcissism. Who are we communicating with, really? That's very antisocial. And that's not the kind of thing that we want to be doing. So what is the prescription for holiness? And I think taking a time, a moment out of every day, Matthew Kelly has a book out and he talks about, well, just it's impossible for us to think how we could be holy. Yet we can be holy by taking a moment just to communicate to another person, not texting, not with funny little symbols. Chinese would even be better. But to take time to listen. Take time to listen to the other. Take time to listen to the Creator who is talking to us. Are we listening? The prescription for holiness is contained in Matthew, the Beatitudes. And it kind of turns, when you hear the Beatitudes, they're often read at funerals, which is too late for maybe that person there, but it's remind us, it's very important. I mean, how, how could these Beatitudes be joy? Well, it has to do with faith. Didn't St. Paul say that faith, you know, it, it really is about hope and that it's evidence of things unseen? 
Blessed are the poor in spirit. Are these reflected in some of the readings that we've had in the last month or so? Remember the person who comes and sits at the end of the, the table and say, well, please come up and take a higher place, rather than sitting next to the host or someone there or the king and then being asked to go back to the lowest position. Humility is grace, God's grace. And blessed are the meek. Now, how could that be? And blessed are they who mourn. Mourning is a very sad thing, but yet if we believe in eternal life, isn't that good? And those who hunger and thirst for justice. Don't we have a God that is also just and merciful? You know, it is kind of a, a sin to presume, presume God's mercy. We can't preserve that, presume that without presuming God's justice. What's so interesting about our Lord is, is that there's a perfect balance on a continuum that goes forever of this scale. St. Paul used to talk about, you know, he would start his, his um, letters, you know, grace and peace. Peace on this side is heaven. Grace is where we begin. Somewhere we're on that scale every day. And we don't really know where we are on that scale. But isn't that important to know that we have a God that must be true to himself, just like this, this owner is talking to a steward? It's God talking to his steward. We are stewards of all, stewards of our family, stewards of our communities, stewards of this church. We have an obligation to support it and to protect it. We are stewards of, of, uh, of all creation. People worry about the air, but what about 98% of the biosphere is in the ocean? Are we crazy? You know, one thing that's important about Christianity, it is that Christianity deals with reality, not some pie in the sky, something that's made up, some kind of sophistry that tells a story about something that isn't true. Look at our art. Look at our sculptures and paintings. Look at our books. Look at our movies. He used to be a priest. His name was Lord. And he was uh, looking at uh, the, how things were failing with the movies in the 30s and how the, the, the talkies became worse than the silent movies. And he installed a, a system of, well, okay, self-restraint. Isn't that what we need in our lives, self-restraint? to be good stewards of what God has given us. I think um, our destination is heaven. That's where we want to go. God has equipped us. He has given us baptism. And in our confirmation, that is a recertification. The bishop has put his special blessing on us and brought down the Holy Spirit in a more intense way. And we have a need to be good disciples. Are we being good disciples? How is it possible to be good at anything without first reconciling with God? If we want to know who we are, then we need to take a good look, and not in a destructive way, and not in a downer way, but in a way to say, okay, how is this? How is it really? How does it affect me? How does it affect my community? How does it affect the church? How does it affect my family? So if we're going to get fired for a job, from a job, 
it's a good idea to get fired for a good reason. Maybe extending mercy. Maybe a little justice. Maybe a little prayer. Or maybe a little, you know, some kind of abstinence. And blessed are the pure in heart. Are our motives clean? We examine them. And all of these things that we've been talking about, we need to have good motives. But good motives are not enough. You say to someone, would you like a glass of water? No, I'm good. What happened to no thank you? If we can't say no thank you, how can we say thank you to our Lord? Let us examine our prayers. St. Paul is asking us to pray for everyone. What do we do? Do we just make petitions and make wishful hopes that the Lord will think the way we do and to give us what we want? Isn't Our Lady Mother Mary asking us in our devotion that those who are doing this glorious days, isn't she asking us to offer all that we do for whatever she wishes? That's the right attitude, an attitude that's not for self-gain, one that is not to make me the best, the smartest. God gave every one of us something special. Whatever we have is necessary for the completion of God's creation. Every mother and her special capacity to create and bring forth new life is participating with God to do that very thing. That's what we must do. That's the way we must think about our church. If there's only 15 of us here, okay, how good are we? Are we really committed? Are we really ready to bring someone to Christ? Are we gonna bring our children? Let's start there. Are we gonna not wear a chip on our shoulder when we go to work or when somebody talks to us, but take time to listen to what others are saying about us. Maybe some of it's true. What most Protestants know about the Catholics, that most of it isn't even, even close. But does anyone take the time to show them? I can't tell you to be Catholic. I can't tell you to be good. All I can do is try to do that myself and show you to give all of us something that we all want. Let us do that. Let us take this week as an opportunity to examine who we are. Don't ask God why. Just take a good look. Let's put it to work. Let's take those talents that God has given us and let's make it work. Let us be good stewards over everything that we do at work, as drivers in our car, instead of raging around and speeding and doing things that we don't need to do. We are good people, but sometimes we're not good enough. We cannot presume God's mercy without presuming God's justice. And the good steward, or the bad steward, in this story today is presuming the worst by overlooking the reality that he isn't going to get to heaven, okay?
God bless you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.